Hebrews chapter 11, we'll read verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Tonight, we're going to finish up a message we started occasionally, about once a year. I got to finish a message that got started and didn't get finished. Uh, we're talking about Jacob in the blessing. We look at the life of Jacob, uh, we see two parallel lives, one of Jacob, one of Israel, and a man that sought God's blessing, but also a man that uh, made a lot of mistakes. His very name, we know the deceiver, the trickster, the conniver, and uh, what God did for him and with him. But we look at Hebrews chapter 11, when you see all these comments about these great men of faith, uh, we read, interestingly enough, that God states this simply, not about his life. The others, we see commentary on their life. Nothing is said about his life. There's a lot of bad decisions, a lot of tragedy, a lot of consequences. But he mentions when he was dying that those final moments, he blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. Now, I believe God's highlighting two things. Uh, number one, uh, going all the way back to Luz, when God wrestled with Jacob and Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go, not going to let you go unless you bless me. And God touched him there and he left permanently changed, limping for the rest of his life, walking with the king. And everyone knew the reason for that and the blessing that came with that and the change of name. And we talked about those things, and I don't want to review that. I simply want to now go back to chapter 47 and 48 of Genesis. And I really want to hit on spiritual leadership tonight. I'm going to preach to the men for a few minutes. I was thinking last night, the difference between Spanish church and English church, and Spanish church has grown drastically, but the maturity level in our Spanish church is not quite as developed. And a lot of times we're in the development of a church plan. We have hundreds of people now that have gotten in and been discipled, and I thank God for Brother Johnson's helping speed up that process with all the discipleship that he's done, and now the marriage classes. But as you're trying to put homes back together and, and help marriages out and help people to grow, you see the greatest need, and this is universally seen, is the need for men to step up and be spiritual leaders in their homes. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can overcome your personality. I believe that God wants every man you say, well, I didn't get saved until later in life. Well, uh, I believe God wants every single male in that household to be the spiritual leader that God has designated him to be. Well, my wife has a very strong personality, and I allowed her to lead for several decades, and now she doesn't want to allow me to take back over that duty that God has given me. And the, those are called the repercussions and the consequences. Uh, of poor choices, but that doesn't change your God-given duty to step in that role and be the spiritual leader, humbly, appropriately, carefully, spirit-filled. Amen? I think this group under, understands, should understand. Now, when we look at Jacob, here's what I marvel. You, you see this, can I, you see this trickster, and then 
you, you see the wrestling with God and the blessing. And then from about chapter 35 to 45 of Genesis, you, you see the testing. You see the mistakes his boys made. You see Jacob walking around crying over a coat, thinking Joseph was dead. You see just a lot of faults and failures. And let me remind you, man, that as we seek to please God in our homes and marriages, and we seek for his blessing, uh, uh, blessings are still dependent upon our actions. Aren't you glad that salvation is not that way? Aren't you glad you can't lose salvation? That's eternal. That's permanent. We have the security of our salvation. But when it comes to blessings, those are conditional. And I want God to bless my home, and I want God to bless my marriage, but I can forfeit those blessings through my conduct, my poor conduct. And we see uh, some of the blessings. No, he didn't lose the land, and no, uh, his 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph, we'll see in just a moment, uh, his two sons would receive his blessing. But in the midst of this, what I really want you to know is in the spiritual leadership some of the failures, and here at the end, the cables are connected, the lights turn on, he's, he's stepping up. And there was something about the good news of Joseph still being alive that reinvigorated him, helped him step back into that position of leadership. But here's what I want you to see. We're at the end of his life. Who would have ever thought that this broken down, old shepherd would be where he's at. Look what it says, chapter 47, verse 7. Joseph brought in Jacob, his father. He set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. The leader of the known world. This, this would be Dole Johnson in the White House, not, not asked to lead the nationwide moment of prayer, but literally invited in. By a Mr. Pence, and we know the, the present circumstances, a man that would never allow prayer, and at least not to God, uh, the one and true and only God, uh, to take place in that kind of environment. But who would ever thought the Pharaoh would have allowed that? But here comes this, this old rancher with his cane. Thankfully, Miss Debbie brought me a prop tonight limping for decades, messed up hip, and everybody knows that's the man that wrestled with God. That's the man who's had his name changed. That's the man who's gone through a lot of trials, made a lot of mistakes, gotten up, continued on. Now he's going to walk in uh, and, and literally uh, set that cane down for a second and put his hand on Pharaoh and pray over him and ask God's blessing upon him. What an incredible, here's what makes it even more incredible. Look what it says, chapter 46, verse 34. That ye shall say, thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth, even until now, both we and also our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen. What's the next phrase say? For every shepherd is an abomination. So, the, the very man that all of Egypt and Pharaoh would consider an abomination was standing there blessing him. And here's, here's what's incredible. I, I don't believe it's just our mission. I don't believe it's just sending Brother Lot to Peru to bless a nation and a people that don't know God. I believe God has put you in that business and in that company and in that neighborhood and in that family to bring 
blessings that no one else can bring to that place and that company, the light of the gospel and introduction to God, a possible change of eternal destiny. God has put his blessing upon you for you to bring light in a dark place and bring a blessing where there's an absence of blessing and extreme confusion. I believe that's still possible in 2023. That's not Pentecostal. That's biblical. Isn't it a shame that we as Baptists can't be a blessing to anyone? Isn't it a shame to think that God's going to have us living this life and only a pastor and only a missionary and only evangelists, the designated blessers, instead of saying, no, each one of us is supposed to take the blessings that God has bestowed upon us and bring it or take it to places without any blessing at all without any of God at all. God help us. Who who would have dreamt? Here he is, the end of his life. Now, here's what's going to happen in chapter 48. This is the the context of what we read in Hebrews chapter 11. So Joseph catches the news, gets the news that his daddy's dying. Verse 1, it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. He took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Until Jacob said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. Israel strengthened himself, sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me and loves in the land of Canaan, and he blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I'll make thee fruitful, multiply thee, I'll make thee a multitude of people, give this land to thy seed, and after thee for an everlasting possession. Now, there are so many things we could say. I'm not going to give you running commentary, but let me, let me just give you a little suggestion. The older you get, the more stories you have. And if you want to be a blessing, when you tell those, you want to condense them. That was free, but there's a lesson there. He condensed his life into two sentences. Some of you liked that and some of you didn't like that. I could tell by the age category which one of you were going, which one of you were going to accept that. Now, here's what he's going to do. So these are his last moments, and I like to put myself right in the middle of Scripture. I see this man reminiscing. He has not lost his mind. He's not lost his memory. He's not totally lost his sight. But he knows he's dying. And I believe he's going back in time and kind of reviewing the course of his life and his failures in in blessings, both how God has blessed him and now he wants to transfer that blessing and he's going to do it. I understand this better now than I ever have because six months ago I had my first grandson. Now look what's going to happen, verse 5. Now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, he's talking to Joseph, my grandbabies, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee into Egypt. They are what? This is a good grandpa right here. <laughs> he looked at those two boys and said, those grandbabies are mine. Joseph, just, just want to break the bad news. Yeah, I'm about ready to check out of here, but they're still mine. Now look what he says, is Reuben and Simeon, uh, they shall be mine. Now, dads, when we're talking about spiritual leadership, there's, there's so much here, and I'm, I literally, I want to write through this, if you just pick up a couple things tonight. True spiritual leadership, not just focus on the kids, but focus on the grandkids and understanding. If I don't leave a legacy that lasts to my grandkids, I haven't really left a legacy at all. And if we're not concerned about the rearing of our kids, can you imagine what's going to happen to our grandkids? And if you're not concerned about 
the, the rearing of godly children, you're not going to be able to enjoy your grandkids. You're going to want to be able to spend time with them. You're going to want to be able to celebrate with them. You're going to want to be able to go to church together with them. And this is why parenting is so important and spiritual leadership is so important and addressing our blind spots is so important because the longer you live, the greater the consequence of not being a spiritual leader, the greater the blessing of having been a spiritual leader. And this all starts in the home. And you've got to get way beyond your personality and say, well, I'm naturally timid and I'm naturally going to defer and I'm naturally, you better get yourself together spiritually and grow into the role that God has designated for you, for you to have. I, I feel for young ladies that grow up without a father that's a spiritual leader. I feel for our young men. I feel for the Young ladies that have a father that's going to be a spiritual leader to the boys, but not to the daughters. And fathers, let me, let me just, let me share a burden with you tonight on my heart. We've become so humanistic that we've carried this over into the child rearing. And because this world has told you over and over and over again uh, that there are no roles for boys, no roles for girls, it doesn't matter if boys are effeminate or girls are masculine and be careful because you begin to pick some of that up accidentally and the next thing you know uh, you you have uh, boys and girls that are grown up in your home and you're te- teaching that young man to be responsible and go make money become independent and uh, Take care of himself. You set him off down the road. You've taught him that character and hopefully a walk with God. And he gets out there. He's becoming independent. And then here comes a girl and you tell her to do the same thing. I don't know how many young ladies I've seen over the course of my past 20 years in Bible college and Bible institutes. Young ladies literally nearly abandoned by their fathers and treated as if they were a male. God have mercy on that. Amen. I don't need your backing. It's biblical. I don't. Now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, he's concerned about his grandsons. But here's what he's saying. Okay, there's, there's so much packed in this verse. But I want you to see what's happening here. Remember back when he had to trick his daddy and he knows he did wrong. And, but he, he knows no trickery is going to take place here. He knows Joseph has done right. And even after being sold and being in this kind of environment, he had stayed true and he stayed strong. And Joseph's not there to trick anyone or try to manipulate himself into a blessing. But here's what he's saying. Reuben and Simeon, my firstborn and secondborn, they have disqualified themselves from the blessing, the birthright that is naturally deserved by the firstborn. And you know what spiritual leadership is? Helping your children to understand their consequence for every decision you make. And there's a lot of things you can forfeit through your poor behavior including your own father's blessing, your mother's blessing. Oh, I always love you, but you can certainly change the way God smiles on you. I'll love you forever. I can't smile on that behavior. I can't bless that behavior. I can't approve of that. You may even limit our relationship. You, you, you may limit what we're able to do and how we can vacation together, how we can even spend Christmas together. You, you take that kind of path. I don't care what the world says. You're placing limitations on how I can bless. 
this home, this life, this marriage. It's time for us as Christians to get honest about our families and the direction of our families and the direction of our grandchildren. Say we, we need to be building in such a manner that we're looking 20 years down the road and saying, I want my relationship with Lincoln to be like my relationship with Chris. I want a discussion and frustration to be over. Son, you've got 18 Bibles on my desk. Clean it up. I want to be able to one day yell at Lincoln over the same thing. Lincoln, you've got 18 Bibles on my desk, boy. Clean it up. We ought to be looking down the road. And here he is with these two boys. Now, here's what he's going to do. He said, Reuben is him in firstborn, secondborn. But they've disqualified themselves. Reuben through sexual misconduct. And he's actually going to address it and confront it. Regrettably, he didn't prevent it. We've watched spiritual leaders back down because they didn't have the backbone to confront. It'll all turn out. It'll all be okay. I've watched some of my own close family and friends who once stood and said, no, we've got to see this through from marriage to child rearing. And Bible principles don't change because of the child's age. And suddenly they back down and the consequences are paid over and over. Listen, I'm not trying to hurt anyone tonight. I'm, for those of you that have suffered these kind of consequences, I'm trying to warn this generation, you, you need to consider those grandbabies. And here's what he's going to do. Now, Joseph was child number 11. Firstborn Rachel, his preferred wife, but number 11, here's what he's saying. Reuben and Simeon, they've sacrificed what should have naturally been theirs. And here's what I'm going to do, Joseph. You're going to get a double portion. Now, where was Joseph at? What was his? He was living in the palace. He could have been having people build a pyramid for him. The, the luxuries, he, he was living just as far as by earthly standards, material blessings. He had the nicest chariot and servants and silverware and clothing and guards. He had it all. Can you imagine the wasted blessing had Jacob said, you deserve the birthright, and so I'm going to bless you. Now, he was naturally already the patriarch of the family, and the family already recognized that as Joseph as the patriarch. He didn't need that blessing bestowed. It had already been bestowed by God. In the financial blessing, he had already been blessed way beyond measure and beyond their comprehension. But here's what his dad's going to do. The best thing he possibly could do. I'm going to give you a double portion, but Joseph, instead of giving it to you, I'm giving it to my grandbabies. Your two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh. Oh, oh, oh boy, if, if you told me I have a special blessing spiritual, physical, financial. You said, I give it to Chris, I give it to Lincoln. I said, give it to Lincoln. If God told me through special revelation, Adam, I'll give you a choice. I'm going to either use Chris or Lincoln. In my, in, in, in my ministry, I, I'm going to use one of these boys to see thousands and thousands of souls saved and lives changed and people help. You know what I'd say? Chris and I have already lived a pretty decent life. Bestow that blessing on Lincoln. 
I want to see, because that may trickle down to a great-grandchild. We're not looking far enough down the road. And here's what, Joseph now is reaping the blessing of having, instead of becoming bitter, he stayed loving, he stayed forgiving, he stayed kind, and God's going to just open up the windows of heaven and bless him. But to me, that's the greatest blessing, that that daddy's not blessing me. That double portion that he's going to give me is actually being bestowed upon my sons. Church, I don't care what you believe uh, about the blessing. I think too many despise the blessing just like Esau but literally, there are scores. We have pictures of from Brother Ramos to uh, Brother Treber to Brother Rick Martin. You name it. Scores of men praying over Chris. Would you pray for God to keep him from sin, from evil, and use him? I want you to pray for me, but if you've got to make a choice of time between me and my son, pray for my son. Pray for my grandson. And here's what... Okay, you got to remember, Jacob's, I believe Jacob's going back in time. And he's remembering the, the trickery that he had participated in to steal the blessing and knowing that Joseph's not here to steal anything. But I get to literally take what God has given me and I get to pass this down to my son who's already seen the supernatural blessing of God. But I get to take it a generation farther. I get to give it to his two boys. Now look, look at the way that he does it. Verse 8. Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these now? I believe once again we're seeing Jacob's failures. They're in Egypt. We don't know why. Scripture doesn't give us an explanation. Obviously he hadn't drawn close to these boys like he should have. And Joseph said to the father, These are my sons whom God had given me in this place. He said, Bring them, I pray thee. I'll bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought them near to him, and he kissed them, he embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, here's, here's a like, when you do once, once Jacob is blessed by God and he has his name changed, pay attention when the Bible calls him Jacob and pay attention when the Bible calls him Israel. You know what? You got to, well, pastor, it's so quick in Scripture. No, it's, there's a lot there, a lot of meaning, because... You, you are bipolar as well, even in church. And you're tuned in, you're filled with the Spirit and praise His name, and the next minute you're distracted thinking about everything that happened at work. And you flop from Jacob to Israel 22 times in 60 minutes. Amen? That's the way we're made. But here, it, Israel, he said, God, God has blessed me. And verse 12, Joseph brought them from between his knees. He bowed himself with his face there. Joseph took them both. Ephraim in his right hand towards Israel's left hand. Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand. He brought them near unto him. He Israel stretched out his right hand, laid upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, wittingly, circle that word, wittingly. He had not lost his mind. He had not totally lost his sight. He knew what was taking place. Manasseh was a firstborn, and he blessed Joseph. He said, God, before my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, did walk, the God which fed me, all my life long to this day, the angel which redeemed me, verse 70, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he held up his father's hand and removed it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this is thy firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head, and his father, what? Refused. And he said, I know it, my son. I, I love this. So, uh, 
Timothy and Uriah, come here for a minute. Joseph said, I'm going to bless those. I mean, Jacob said, I'm going to bless those boys. Um, the right hand was the hand of blessing. So he brought in the elder. And he said, uh, I want them positioned just like that. Daddy's blind. I want him naturally to reach out, put his hand on my firstborn, and give him the blessing. Although this is my blessing of the firstborn being passed down to my two sons, I still want it to be a proper and appropriate. And he from the firstborn to be blessed by his right hand, Manasseh the secondborn by his left hand. But when Joseph went to bless and pray, come here, boys, he did the little switcheroonie. And, and Joseph said, Daddy, Daddy, <laughs> uh, you, that whole crisscross thing, that um, Ephraim's on the right. We position it. And, and what, did Joseph, what did Jacob say? I've not lost my mind. I know what I'm doing. That crisscross was on purpose. Now, hold on for a second. This was the same man who's going back in time saying, I was the second born. I was not deserving. And God crisscrossed his arms to bless me when I really wasn't. I, I, now, hold on for a second, church. Here's what we're talking about. Jamie. There ain't no one in here that knows your life except you. But you know this, when you look at those kids and you look at that home and you look what God's done in your marriage, in order, plus you got it to crisscross his arms. There wasn't anything you did by nature that deserved that. You got saved and you got surrendered. You cried out to God and you said, I got to raise a family and I want you to bless this mess, God. And I want you to give me wisdom. And you knew in order for God, there was someone else that was born in a Christian home. There was someone else that had multitude more opportunities. There is someone who'd been under every revival and camp meeting and summer camp and youth conference and had every advantage under the sun. And you watch God. Thank you, Lord. Do the old switcheroonie. Amen. And say, you know what, Jamie, I'm going to help you with that. Now, here's, here's what I thank God for. We have a story here where uh, nothing against Uriah, but I, I think Jacob, when he began to pray, had a little twitch of a smile and a little smirk on his face. Can you imagine, Ephraim, what, what? what's going on here? What's happening? He looks at Daddy, and Joseph says, Hey, Dad, Dad, no, don't. <laughs> and Jacob said, Joseph, Joseph, I haven't lost my marbles. Church, thank you, guys. You, you know, I, when I look at Capital City, there are other places with better preachers and more money and a greater legacy and longer history. And when I look at our ministry, uh, you know what I got to pray, God? Would you just crisscross your hands and smile on us? Here, here's why we want to be involved in missions so God will crisscross his hands and smile on Cap City Baptist Church. And when I look at the pastor and when I look at the membership, there ain't nothing special here that would bring down the blessing and the smile of God. But here's what I believe. If, if we live right and we preach this book and we stay holy and we invest in missions, I truly believe God's crisscrossing his hands and saying, yes. you know what I mean? I'm going to show blessing where others wouldn't expect it to be shown. Amen. Young men, Yovani, just because 
you're the result of a, a, a bus router just because you were born on the opposite side of the planet, never read, never met your real mom or dad, or just because your dad got saved later in life, that doesn't mean that God can't crisscross his hands. Now, parents, here's what I'm going to ask you before we pray tonight. It ought to be so deep in your heart to say, I, I want that blessing on my kids, and I want that blessing on my grandkids. And Jacob was not a man that lived a perfect life. He was a mess that was determined to get the blessing of God and die well and say, who would have given Moses that some boy from the east side, from the hood, living the thug life as a teenager. John, who would have guessed that a young man that was doing drugs and delivering pizza would get God to say, I'm going to crisscross my hands here and bless this east side boy. <laughs> Amen. And it's... it's Parents and spiritual leaders, we've got to stop making excuses. We've got to stop using our personality. We've got to look those kids in the face and say, at some point, I'm going to live with your grandkids. And I want this to be a blessing for all of us. Which means, you've got to live right. You've got to do right. Yes, man. Yeah. And I've got to do the right thing. And I'm going to have to confront evil, and I'm going to have to grow backbone, and I'm going to have to stand on the Word of God, and I'm going to have to stay faithful, and I'm going to have to weather the storms, and I'm going to have to pull myself together at times when I don't feel like I have the strength to pull myself together. Because at the end of the day, there's a, there's a destination here, and that is not just that my kids do right, that my grandkids do right. So we can all celebrate the goodness of God.